I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Kieran. Hi, Eve. Um, <laughs> only we know that the last episode happened. Um, yeah. But no one else is ever going to get to hear it. And I'm sad yeah. about that. Me too. It was it was great. We'll like have a moment of silence for the episode that we almost had. It was really good. We recorded with a special guest, and uh, there were tech problems, and it didn't record on their end. And um, they're just really busy. We may never get another shot at it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good, though. It was. So I'm sorry, guys. We'll try. We'll try that again somehow in another format. If we have to do it without the guests and just kind of like summarize what we did, that's yeah, fine. yeah, we'll figure it out. But uh, a whole like century and a half has happened since um, the last episode that we had. Yeah, my friends are all taking bets on whether or not Trump is actually alive still. Right, I feel like we have been weekended at Bernie's already, and I'm just I'm, I'm just certain that Melania is dead. We haven't seen her. Like, we saw her at the debate, maybe. That's but, it. like, yeah. And then, like, we heard she had COVID and was right. fine. And then, and that was it. Like, she had COVID. She was feeling great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we don't have, like, steroid-induced mania tweets. No. So, from her. So, we don't have any way to know. So, tell her to me. How have you been? Uh it's it's been a lot honestly uh i'm i'm working for a bunch of campaigns which is great my partner's campaign is like taking off and as of like right now in october we're in the home stretch and everyone's ballots are out already because california is uh doing all mail in Mm -hmm. so it's all i'll get out the vote all the way up until november 3rd and last month I, like, I got my identity stolen, and, like, my entire life savings was okay, just okay. gone. Can I just, can I just, like, so I got this, I woke up to this email from the kitchen table called PayPal saying that we had just paid $2,000 for some electronics, and I was like, uh, no, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, everything got canceled and returned, and we're all good. But it was a little, it was a little hairy for a minute there. There was, there was, and like that happened, like the day after I woke up to my entire savings account being stolen. Like I, I got this weird email on Friday. This is like also PSA for folks out there: check and see if you were part of the Equifax breach. Because I was, and I think that's where this whole bullshit is coming from. I think everyone was, but that's just Yeah, me. yeah. So, like, you know, go rechange everything, because we're going through, like, another wave of it. Yeah, so I got this, like, weird email on Friday that was, like, someone used your, like, social number and your bank account number to authorize a withdrawal of this amount to some random supposedly like track your money financing yeah it was it was like 
all of my life's savings that I have been working for for the last four years just fucking evaporated. Yeah. But I, I saw it on Friday and I was like, this seems weird and fishy, so I'm just going to not reply. But I did forward it to my bank's like uh, info email or their support, their support team and was like, hey, I don't know if anyone else is getting this, but I'm getting this and I don't know what's going on. So if other people see seems this, bad. Probably, it seems bad. And so I was like, it's probably fake, whatever. They're bluffing. Uh, I like have a weekend and then I wake up Monday morning and all of my savings is gone in the amount that they were like, we're going to take from your account. And I was like, no. So I like go in person to my bank because I was just like, I don't know what, what to do. And like I called, I called the bank's telephone line. They were like, yeah, you'll need to go and fill out some forms and stuff. So I like went... I explained everything that had happened. They, like, saw the history with support that I had, and they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, let's get this fixed. Yeah. So so they did that. They seemed uh, real promising about it, and I got my account secured, and uh, eventually, like, by Friday of that week, I had my savings back, but all of, like, Monday and Tuesday, I just started, a, like, another job another client and like it was the week lot. before and I was like fuck I'm gonna be like out most of this week because I have to figure out how to lock down my identity now that someone else apparently has access to it and so I spent all day Tuesday doing that and then I like <laughs> was calm enough to take a shower so I take a shower and as soon as I get out of the shower I see that message from PayPal and I'm like no from the Patreon, PayPal. yeah 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 from our Patreon oh, PayPal and I'm like God. no so I like it was a lot it was it was it was a lot I (laughs) I have been overwhelmed with just teaching four full classes and you know the insanity that is trying to grade on canvas and having a student a couple students who are queuing on subscribers which has been interesting and that's about all I can say but like I <laughs> it's nothing compared to the shit you've been doing. <laughs> it's nothing. I'm like, I still have the brain space to like put myself to sleep at night by like window shopping for mushroom spores and pasteurized hay. You don't yeah. really have that luxury. No, no. Yeah. And this all happened like while other stuff was happening in my life. That was just like local politics being local drama. And I was just like, this is too many things. I could handle one of these things at a time, but there's like three crises happening in my oh, life and, right now. And then the president was deathly ill, and then yeah. uh, a, a domestic terrorist militia was going to kidnap the governor of Michigan. And yeah, somehow the news. <laughs> oh, was and still the happening. Supreme Court is fucked. Yeah, 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 and it's just you know it's been it's been chaos. So. All right. Well, we're still here. We're still trying our best. Thank you for those of you who are, you know, supporting us uh, from the sidelines and being very patient. (laughs) We're here. We really, we are here. And those of you who have joined us for our uh, debate watch parties. Oh, my God. Such a godsend. Uh, It's been really nice. Those have been those have been making my life lately. Honestly, I'm I'm like actually excited to watch the debates now. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I'll have like a group of people. We just make a lot of really bad jokes. It's so good. It's so, it's good. so good. And honestly, like 
I'm I'm on team fly now. Like that was. <laughs> are you are you are you a fly right in? Yeah, yeah. It was mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Good job. <laughs> I just and it was so it was really funny because um I was I was watching the stream on the TV with my friend and the stream in the chat was about like thirty seconds ahead, so I like warned my friend. I was like, "There's a fly." <laughs> and like 30 seconds later the fly appears <laughs> and it was just this great moment of like what that's what so good is. and like so he didn't good. he didn't respond to the fly at all well like, there and, was... and... <laughs> kamala like looked at it <laughs> suppressed a smile yeah fixed her face and kept going it was yeah, really good it was it was it was a it was good. Definitely the highlight of uh, the debates so far this year. Oh, and then, like, God. there was this whole thing, apparently, where I guess now the second debate is canceled. Because, yeah. The, yeah. And it was so confusing because I read... Because both the, of the candidates had other plans that night, is the, 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 the official reason. Wow. I read, like, a synopsis that was, like, so the president has COVID... They were like, well, we we can't do it in person. The president refuses to do it over, like, Zoom or whatever the fuck. And then, like, the doctors, I'm, like, air-quoting massively here. Cause <laughs> the doctors. The doctors were like, oh, no, he's good to go do shit. And he's, like, having a rally or whatever on the 15th. He's having a rally on Monday. Monday. It, like, in Florida. Uh, it's bad. It's so bad. And then he was like, cool, I'm fine to do the debate as we planned. And the election commission was like, no. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's you're this gr- isn't you're happening. Ground- you're grounded, son. Yeah, you don't get to try to poison You don't get to hang Biden out with again. your friends. You don't get to <laughs> hang out with your friends in public until you think about your actions and wear a mask. Yeah. So, anyway... I guess there's not a second debate happening, but the third one, which is now the second the final one. one. Yeah, it's the last one. Yeah. Um, also, we still don't know if Pence has COVID or not at this point, and I, his eyes were real red that day. Right. Either he was, either he was stoned or... Right. So we will see. Um, we will find out. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so we have a couple different things we wanted to cover today, and this is going to be a little bit disorganized because there's just, like, so much has happened, and we have too much material, and we're trying to limit ourselves. Yeah. I really want to talk about this one piece that was up on Fee, Fee's website, about property property rights and violence and, like... The destruction of property is a violation of human rights. That's been going around. I have a lot of like friends from Grove City still, and we shall we'll circle back to Grove City College. <laughs> they had Matt Walsh there this week, and I have things to say. But um, so a lot of the folks that I know from college, who I'm still like friendly with, have been sharing this piece on Facebook because the Austrian economics indoctrination at that college is real, real strong. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are like pre-market libertarian people of, you know, the like expected varieties. 
And so they've been sharing this article, and I would like to, like, get into it a little bit here. Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) FEE is the Foundation for Economic Education. It's a conservative think tank in D.C., I think. Probably. Okay, and this article is actually from... The link says 1959, but I don't know that that's true. I feel like this might be that might be an in error. Yeah, I I, I don't think because um, is... he's mentioning Citizens United, which we were talk, which is way after that. So yeah, yeah, clearly. Well, and he also, died, he died in ninety five. The... So like he died in ninety five. So maybe this is his ghost. <laughs> like the Herman Cain. Yeah. The Herman Cain Twitter account wrote this <laughs> under a pseudonym. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we don't know who wrote this. We don't know when this was written. This has been going around on Facebook recently. I am extremely confused, but like, we're going to just carry on. <laughs> yeah. There's there's actual stuff to get to in here besides just okay. how, when was this published? Okay. So... Kieran, before we get to it, like, why is Citizens United, like, the worst thing that ever happened in the United States recent history? In terms of democracy. Because, like, they made it so corporations are basically, have the same, like, rights as Freedom of speech rights. Yeah. Yeah, which, oh, I do have a a note about that later. That's a good story. Okay, so Citizens United is, like about corporate giving to campaigns and mm-hmm. like killing the restrictions on that but it's also it also gets into the like the root of that ruling comes from a delineation of corporations as having freedom of speech rights the same as individuals yeah so this is building off of that like objects are people kind of Oh, it it is explicitly about that. It's explicitly... Okay, so this article basically boils itself down to talk about the protests and how it's not fair... Okay, so we're talking about two different articles here. There's um, one that is vandalism is violence. Destructive rights are not just property damage. This was published in July 2020. It references... The article we were the at. article that we've been talking about by this other dude, Murray Rothbard. Okay. Okay, so there's two pieces here. But basically, they directly connect Citizens United to the de- like destruction of property in the relation to the riots. And so we've been seeing like uh cops escalating protest situations mm-hmm. and um we've had Police precincts burned down. We've had windows broken. We've had Target got looted. We've had cop cars and buses get burned. The bus may be the only piece of property that I feel a little bit sad about. Yeah. But, um... So this this piece quotes heavily from um, Andy No. He is, he is considered by the right to be a journalist. And the... Our, our friends in Portland who are reporters 
are very, very irritated at him because he, like, starts things and then starts filming. So it looks like he's, like, the victim in every situation. Uh, so he's, course. like, he's just, like, he is a provocateur, essentially, um, in the, like, truest sense. Yeah. Um, but he, like, considers himself to be a reporter. So he... Um, He is all, like, you know, bitching about Ted Wheeler joining the protest and how that's, like, endorsing the violence. And, you know, it's got all of these, like, criticisms of pieces in Current Affairs and Hannah Nicole Jones writing about, like, how, you know, the destruction of property is, like, replaceable stuff and lives are not replaceable. And just, like, arguing that, you know... If you really think about it, this is not true. And they right. go to Ludwig von Mises, who's the founder of the school, Austrian School of Economics, um, and they quote this this quotation from him saying, "It is in the nature of every application of violence that it tends toward a transgression of the limit within which is which it is tolerated and viewed as legitimate." So it's basically saying that all violence like moves the Overton window of acceptable violence. And so if you're, like, if you're, you know, doing the destruction of property, then you're going to be okay with killing people. And then it's, like, this, like, slippery slope fallacy that that they have going on to, like, yeah. back this up. Of course. And they they cite a couple instances where the there were, like, a Minneapolis pawn shop got burned and the there was a body found in it when the fire went out. And they're like, well, that was, that was, you know, just destruction of property, but it was actually murder. And then talking about, like, instances where guns went off, cops shot protesters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, like, being like, see, this is on them. Which is, like, basically saying, like, they were asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I don't, like, I'm just like, no. And also, like, the, right, don't know proper gun safety most of the time. Like, not not most of the time. Many of them do not yeah. carry their guns properly. Uh, and so that security element seems like it's... They're trying to deflect from from the real cause. But yeah. anyway, it's just... It's really interesting to me that this is the argument that keeps coming back. Because it's like, I don't know... That quote that keeps going around that I don't know how to make you care about people. like to, Or tell you that it's important to care about people. Yeah, You know that meme? Yep. Yeah. It's like why why do we keep going back to this? And I think the reason is because there's this super intense misunderstanding of what mutual aid is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it starts. Um so the difference between like charity versus mutual aid like the argument that they conclude on in these pieces is that Human, like, the human right to thrive has to be based on the human right to own property and have, like, secure access to that in order to be able to support themselves. Yeah. But that's, that's based off of a man as island political philosophy that's a very libertarian view of this, obviously. Yeah. And I think that it, like, deliberately misunderstands, like, what community is and what mutual aid can be. Mm-hmm. So 
I, it's it's really interesting how this keeps going around and around and around. And like these are the kinds of people who will be like, we shouldn't have social services. The church should be doing this kind of work. And and it, like it just boils down to like, is your property yours? Right. Are you simply stewarding it in order to benefit the community? Or is it just like yours forever and anyone who touches it is wrong? Like, Right, yeah. I'm well, so far... It, Go ahead. A lot of it, and they even... I think they mentioned this in that article too, is like it stems from John Locke's philosophy that was like... You don't have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You have the right to life, liberty, and property. Hmm. And, like, private property is, in, in like, saving private property is a huge piece of Locke's philosophy. And hmm. that's what... That's what, like, the the originalist interpretation of the Constitution <laughs> pulls from as well. Yeah. I missed that connection. I'm glad you pointed that out. It's... This is just so, so far removed from what I believe now that I'm finding it hard to, like, re-access the, like, the logic behind it. It's really, because I just, I remember being a kid and, like, having, like, really territorial emotional responses to sharing stuff with my siblings because they they were a lot of times destructive. Mm -hmm. It was very much, like, Henny and the dress in All of a Kind Family you know, where she steals the dress for the party and um, it's her sister's and she like spills tea on it. And so she dyes it in the bathtub with all the iced tea to like make it all of one color. <laughs> you remember this, right? No. Uh, oh, you didn't read this. I didn't, but. All, all the kind family was great. Yeah. But like that kind, and then the sister like basically doesn't speak to her for like a month afterward, if I remember correctly. And it's like, that kind of reaction to, like, destruction of property, like, that's how I would have reacted back when I was in my big family because it was all based on the scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, this, like, I'm not, I'm never going to be able to get a new dress. This is the only one I have and, I, you know, like, we can't afford anything else. If mm-hmm. I just, like, approach it with, like, a, well, like, sh- it looks good on them and they need it that evening and I don't and, like, I can get a new one. It would have been so different to just be willing to like open it up because, but because there was this this real intense sense of scarcity, I couldn't do that, and I yeah. I'm on the other side now. Um, so it's hard to reimagine that that emotional rubric. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of work with mutual aid this year. Um, can you explain the difference between mutual aid and charity? Um. I mean, besides that, there's a whole lot of organizational structure in a charity in which they have to, it's not as if, as efficient or sometimes it's not as effective either. Like we could in my neighborhood, like try to go to like a charity or a food bank and bring, and bring back food or like sign up for like a thing that like will come meet whatever it is and be part of their program. And the other thing about charities, because I'm I'm mostly thinking about, like, the Salvation Army right now, mm-hmm. is they have a lot of, like, hoops that you have to jump through in order to even be helped. Right. Um, and it's, like, 
terrible or they have like you have to go through this plan or like believe these things and mutual aid is just like neighbors helping neighbors how they can and like communicating with each other yeah and it, it really like it builds it builds a sense of community because you're getting to know people and, and you're being vulnerable with other people. And Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not like being on the receiving end of a charity where it's people who are like, well, I'm helping you, you poor person who can't do any better. (laughs) Mutual aid is like, we are all experiencing this thing together and maybe one person is missing something and another person doesn't need anything and we can line those needs up so that we all have our needs met and we're all taking care of ourselves so it's stone soup versus emma yes (laughs) (laughs) got it i just i just think it's like so like i think the idea of mutual aid existing outside of a religious structure is so foreign to people who've been sharing this article that like it really limits their imaginative imaginative powers in terms of like how to see like how this could work in different ways like how mm-hmm. can you imagine a better world i had a professor in grad school give an assignment where he was like okay imagine you know a, a community without capitalism like how would it work oh, like a society without capitalism rather yeah and we didn't have the ability to really imagine that because we don't, we're so limited in our experiences. It was very, very hard. Um, and I think that's that kind of limit on the imagination is one of the things that happens in this conversation about like, t- oh, let me clutch my pearls. Buildings are being burned. Mm-hmm. End of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, a, a business being burned to the ground hurt the owners. And it's like, well, yes, but it didn't murder them. Right, they can, and like building insurance exists for this reason. Yeah, I'm like, what is replaceable and what is not? Yeah, life life is not. It's that's essentially what it comes down to, and it won't be the same, yep. obviously. But like, they can get, you know, some there kind are of re- loan programs. Yeah, yeah, like in Oakland, even we started like multiple funds to help small businesses who were both impacted by COVID and like impacted as a result of like being on fire and, and like trying to keep businesses here as well as we can. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm sure other cities are doing that as well. Like they have options. It's not like, it's terrible. Sure. For them, but there's, they can get help for it. Like it's not, not, they're not dead. There's no recourse. Right. I think the other thing that goes into this is the, the, there's a sense, which is really weird for the libertarian, um, you know, philosophy behind this. This doesn't compute, but like, there's a sense of faith in the system. Yeah. What is that about? (laughs) Like, so that one of the arguments that they're pushing back on in this piece is the whole, like, like you can't get change without, like, you can't get any effective change without getting people's attention through, you know violence and of some like destruction of some kind and i think that's pretty accurate historically Mm -hmm. but they're pushing back on this being like it doesn't have to be like this we could just and i'm like you could just what trust a system that isn't working like hasn't like sure it's working for you because you're white and middle class like but for the rest of us it's not fuck you exactly yeah yes weird 
Yeah. Shit. My, like, Uh. other peeve with people who, like, well, the church should do it is literally everyone, and I've I've had this peeve since I was a child, like, literally everyone who's all, like, well, we shouldn't do this by the government. The church should do it. And my question has always been, well, then why isn't it? It's not doing it. Like, if you want the church to do it, go fucking make it happen. It's, it's, I mean, as in as much as the bystander effect is a myth, it is kind of the bystander myth. It's like, yeah, well, someone else, like, the church should do it. Okay, so why aren't you? Oh, some other church should. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. we're not rich enough. Yeah. We're saving yeah. for a building fund. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have to, <laughs> we have to extend the sanctuary. For people that aren't there yet. Yeah. Because more people are going to be coming here. Obviously. And after that in five years, then we can help them. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, it just really is interesting to me to like go back in time in terms of my ideology and be like, this used to make sense to me. And now I fucking cannot. Yeah. Connect with it at all. Yeah. Which is good, but weird. Yeah. I find, I find this is happening to me too. And I'm like, you know what? It, it is weird. It's real weird. But then I'm like, cool, I guess I've made it this far that like I can't I can't empathize with what I grew up with anymore, which feels like nature, a weird nature is healing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> OK. All right. I'm going to let you take the reins on this next segment here because you have a lot of things you want to talk about. <laughs> oh, yes. And um, I've been like on purpose tuning out this news. So I feel like you're ahead of me in terms of like research yeah yeah so uh apparently well we all know that our our good amazing supreme court justice ruth bader ginsburg died and her like last wish was obviously that like we waited until the election until after the election to appoint someone new but obviously that's not happening because the person who was nominated is amy coney barrett because and the president's a grinch Right. And, you know, he's also uh, feverish and who knows what from COVID. Like, he's barely lucid if he's even alive at all. I'm still partially convinced <laughs> that we're doing a weekend at Bernie's stint here. Uh, and I'm just waiting for, like, the, the camera or the green screen editors to, like, fuck up. And, like, he'll just, like, collapse to one side. Did you see? Sorry. Total sidebar. Did you see the interview with Rudy Giuliani where his hand was, like, ashen and his face was tan and warm no it was like that's a corpse hand i don't know what's going on here but like he like raised his hand to like touch his nose or something and it was like ooh, mm. the hand is dead yeah that is not Mm-mm. yeah that's Mm-mm. what we're looking for with with the, the 45 aren't we yeah yeah and my other like pet peeve about this whole experience that we're having together right now in a maybe reality is like i feel like i'm losing my grip on reality because so many things are changing so fast and we're hearing so many conflicting things and i'm like we are being gaslit as like a nation who has also not been able to go outside lied to lied to they're not they're they're not even they're not even pretending that it's like an alternate reality they're just like straight up lying yeah yeah and it's it's just it's it's so frustrating to like one keep up with it and two like parse it because we hear one thing on one day and then the next day like it's not that thing it's something else it was like no well we meant this thing instead and i'm just like i am i i don't believe anything that is happening and i kind of hate it because it's like 
over the course of this year where we're also like in quarantine and can't see people and like don't have as much of like an outside reference of reality because we're all in our like apartments or whatever that's one of the things that is like most reminiscent of the homeschool experience for me is the like i can call people up to fact check now but like it's harder it's harder to do yeah i used to be able to just hang out with people and be like yeah okay we're all not crazy this is happening and now we can't yeah and like missing that like physical aspect is really hard on the brain so i feel like the culmination of just the amount of lying that's happening and the amount that like we haven't really been able to reground ourselves as much as like we would be able to if we weren't like stuck at home with everything online it's also made me really kind of cynical and distrusting in general and I don't like that about myself because like when I'm watching when I'm watching movies or anime and it's like from, you know, the before times when everything was okay, <laughs> I like find myself distrusting anyone who's like super nice. I'm like Which is how we were back in the cold. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just like and I'm generally just distrusting of like people like Especially people who, like, just signed up for Twitter and I have to keep reminding myself, like, that's totally a thing. People can have new Twitter accounts. But I'm like, (laughs) until you, like, get a bio and a photo and, like, have, like, are following people and not just, like, famous people, like, I'm, I'm going to assume that you're a bot or a troll. Because, like, I just, I can't At this point, what's the difference? But yeah. Right. Like, it's frustrating. And it's, it's like, getting harder to empathize as much as I used to because I, like, can't keep up and I can't have that many fucks anymore. I'm using up my garden of fucks. Oof. <laughs> Look at this so. field in which I sow my fucks. It is yes, barren. it is. It is so <laughs> barren. I, I just, like, when I have one grow, I, like, cherish it and nourish it as a child and I'm, like, Okay, and I just save it for like the time that I really need a fuck, and I'm like, all right, this this is what I have been curating my one fuck for, and I will offer it on the throne. Of... Yes, this sounds like me and 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 uh, a certain friend talking about our our forced celibacy, but in a different way. <laughs> yes, COVID it can be is interpreted hard. many ways. Many ways, COVID is hard. It's so it many is. ways. Okay, um, so dystopia don't know what's real and also uh new nominee to the supreme court go yeah cool so uh the other contextual news around this is one her like combination or confirmation announcement not confirmation announcement submission announcement whatever the fuck there's (laughs) words i have given up on words right now i'm sorry you said submission announcement I'm like, that's not... (laughs) I mean, that's what it is for now. (laughs) Right, yeah. So the thing happened. That was a super spreader. She's going to be the handmaiden of the Lord. Yes. The the Lord being Trump. Okay. Right. Um, And uh, everyone who's everyone in the conservative right was there. Um, Including Mike Ferris. Michael Ferris was there, which um, is getting lesson like it's not surprising anymore that he shows up to these things because he's actually kind of a huge part of trump's 
consultation people. He's a linchpin for this. Yeah, yeah, he really is. And so he shows up everywhere. And he was there rubbing his nose and apparently he doesn't have COVID. Mask. Yeah. So, yeah, he said on his Facebook he do- he got tested and he's fine. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, I hope someone at least caught the cold that it looked like he had. Amy Coney Barrett is the new nominee and unsurprising at this point to probably all of us she's a terrible person and michael ferris as uh president of the adf who we have talked about extensively before they're awful go back and listen to any of the other episodes that we did they are a designated hate group they are like also, extremely anecdotally, definitely a hate group. <laughs> are are really happy that she has been nominated. So I'm gonna first read out Michael Ferris's comment about her. Someone there was uh, there's apparently this new Christian website called ChristianHeadlines.com, and I find that's the best place to get information about what everyone is thinking on that side because so they can weird. be free to say it. It's so weird. It's, yeah, it's weird. But anyway, so uh, it's an article by Michael Faust or Faust. It's called it's Supreme called Court. Faust after the devil. Yeah. Supreme Court game changer. Christian leaders applaud Amy Coney Barrett pick. So Michael Ferris, president and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom, applauded the selection of Barrett and criticized those who have attacked her for her faith. He said, quote, Any nominee should be an originalist with a public record of demonstrating deep commitment to protecting Americans' constitutional freedoms, including religious freedom and free speech for all, Ferris said. Judge Barrett has an encouraging record of advocating for constitutional freedoms. She deserves a fair and respectful confirmation process in the Senate. And then he goes into, like, being angry that people have criticized her for her faith. And he... Also said this thing that is fucking terrible. He said, like Justice Ginsburg, she has deep convictions, and I'm just so angry that that he he used Justice Ginsburg in in that sentence because they could not be more opposite each other. And I I know that's why he used that as a reference. Yeah, of course he did because he's like, look, they're both feminists. Which we'll get into in a minute, because uh, I want you to take it away on the like oh, yeah. Schlafly connection. I, yeah, I gotta, gotta, I'm gonna rip into it. Yeah. So lastly, still uh, quoting from this from this article, Judge Barrett has repeatedly stated her commitment to decide cases based on law and not personal opinion. Ferris said it's religious bigotry to suggest that any judge would do otherwise simply because she is a person of faith. If that bigotry becomes part of the confirmation process, it will violate the Constitution. And this is interesting Mm -hmm. because uh, Justice Barrett is not actually or not Justice Barrett, Amy Barrett. Sorry, I'm just. It's so frustrating. Anyway, Amy Barrett. Ms. Barrett. Yeah. Is part of this uh, church group cult thing called People of Faith. People, People of, of faith? Praise. People, People of Praise. Of praise. They're it's a Bible pop. study, Kieran. Yes, they're That's a Bible all. study. That's uh, all. 
Yeah, and I really want to do an episode that's all about people of faith so we can, like, people of faith. Praise. Praise. <laughs> God, my brain today. People of it's praise fine. because they're they're worth digging into and spending some time and we on. And fr- we have a friend who grew up in there. Yeah. So we can figure um, that out. Okay, so, yes. okay, but the, here's the thing that, like, keeps coming around that I want to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. People keep saying handmade in the associate, like, some of the documents you reference, like, the wife has handmade, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. which is a purely translational linguistic choice in terms of, like, which Bible translation you read and or, yes. like, pull from. Yeah. So everybody's saying, oh, handmade, they use the word handmade for wives, does this mean she's going to, like, bring in the age of the handmaid's tale that we're so afraid of? Like, I see a lot of people giving this, like, very blunt, unnuanced read of being like, yeah. literally handmade sale! Oh, my God! And I'm like, yeah. I don't see it. That's not, that's not what they mean. That's not, that's not, uh, yeah, that's not the correct interpretation. They Whether seem, or not that's true. I think they're definitely, <laughs> like, a high control slash cult group, but I don't think that they are that... They don't strike me as the, like, having the quiverful, like, dominionist theology, over-dominionist theology stuff going on. Yeah, they're they're their own very specific uh, sect that, yeah. like, these these are the words they use, but it's not, it's not an Atwood reference at all. Um, yeah. And Again, I think it's about the Bible translation they use. Yes, yeah. Because, like, it would be the same thing, like, I... The word I grew up hearing was help meet. And yeah. that's just because that's it's a what Marian, the translation I had. It's a Marian reference. They're Catholic. Yeah. yeah. That's essentially what it comes down to. Yeah. So don't it's not it's not about Handmaid's Tale. I mean, she is and has stated explicitly, uh, like her life and all of her, a lot of her work has been upholding that view. She and, worked under Scalia. He was a mentor to her. Yeah. So she's definitely like of that vein, but that's not the reference that is being made. Yeah. Okay. So like in good faith, like my the good faith argument here would be like, but a justice is supposed to like lay their personal beliefs aside. We've seen a lot of dissent pieces written by this Supreme Court saying like, like with the, ugh, there was a challenge to Obergefell, Obergefell that yeah. came up that was like, we can't overturn it based off of this, but... Here's a wink, different way you could do wink, it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, yeah, it's it's about procedure. Um, so there's there seems to be this, like, they're, they're willing to execute, ba- you know, rulings that are based on precedent, even if they are originalist, quote-unquote. Right. Because they have to, but it, they are willing to state their personal, you know, divergent beliefs in their dissent pieces mm-hmm. and and comment on it there. So I don't feel like it's it's one of the things that, like, every lawyer has to, you know, they're getting sworn into court. Like, they have to be willing to set aside their personal beliefs to, like, yeah. do their job. That's yeah. part of the reason that, like, that's part of the, like, magical thinking around the system it like if it works properly it's because it they're do everybody's agreed to do this right which we obviously know doesn't actually happen and isn't consistent but the, the supreme court is like one of the places where they consistently play that 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 the you know that theater right. 
And it's entirely a projection because that's everyone who they're real fans of, like Scalia and Roberts or and everyone else that they've, you know, been fans of and supported and whatever. Gorsuch too now. They all are like have have told Michael Ferris that like yes, they would overturn Roe or yes, they would overturn Obergefell. And so a lot of and, and they've also told like a lot of other Christian people this or like have done work that demonstrates that this is the case. Yeah, they just haven't had like nobody has brought like and this is ADF is working on it clearly, but nobody's brought like the right case to do that with yet. Right. And that's that's got to be a part of that process. So, okay, so here's like the thing that I think she is strategically for more than overturning Roe v. Wade, which I think is like would be a cherry on top for them. Yeah. I d- but I don't think she, that's the purpose, even though she is Catholic and has seven kids. I think the purpose is to have a Supreme Court ruling on the legitimacy of the election. I think Trump expects to lose, and I think that's why he's pushing for this appointment before the election. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to call, I mean, he's already laid the groundwork, the foundational groundwork to call the legitimacy of the, the voting process into question. He's, you know, talking Constantly about... Constantly doing ma- that. Mail-in ballots equals voter fraud, and everyone is going to be doing mail-in ballots because, because of COVID. So he's just, like, setting that up as his, you know, foundational premise to call things into question. And he's doing this also by saying absentee ballots and mail-in ballots are not the same thing. Right. So... In, by doing that, I think that he's setting up this, like, she's the one on the court, like, having her on the court would hand it over to him when it comes into question. I mean, we had this, we had this happen in 2000 with the Bush v. Gore. Like, yep. like were, you know, how, I don't remember enough of the details, but I do remember that it was, you know, pending on a Supreme Court ruling to ratify the election. Yep. Yeah, because Florida's ballots were, like, really fucked up for months. Right. So all that's – and I think the reason that – I think Gore conceded. Yeah. Earlier than the ruling happened or something. Anyway, like, he could have stuck it out. Um, The Supreme Court ruled against him anyway. But, like, whatever. The point is people believe that Bush stole the election – because of how that happened, and I think that we're looking at a like a setup for a replay. Yep. And so, yeah, she's Catholic. Yeah, she's like fundamentalist. Yeah, she's you know pro force birth. She has a very know, specific headship uh, yeah, belief. Headship theology. Five hundred kids. Transracial adoption. Da 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 da. But I don't think. Those are, I think that's icing. I think all yeah. that's icing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely see that. And like with her, if she gets confirmed, um, there would be a 6 3 majority on the conservative side of the court, right. which Trump fully expects them to cave and be like, yes, you win. Right. Which I don't know if he's. I don't know if that's a fair assumption or not, but he he was going to try it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's 
you know, said, and this is something that's also completely unrelated, but really bothers me because we're not talking about it as much as I think we should be. And I don't think people are. There's too many other as, things. As worried about it as I am. But Trump has explicitly said multiple times, and Pence has also reinforced this, that he's not going to leave the White House peacefully if Joe Biden wins. Right, because he believes that the election will have been stolen from him if, if he loses. Which, like, when he's the one doing the rigging, like, how the, what the fuck? Let's anyway. talk about dismantling the post office. Donnie. Dear yeah. Donnie. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I think, yes, I think this is all playing into this. Another concern that I keep hearing is about her, the headship stuff. So she does, you know, they, they do, well, it's like backup, people of praise. They're a Bible study that is like a supplementary, supplementary community to like attending Catholic mass, because if you don't Mm -hmm. attend like Catholic mass, it's a mortal sin. So they attend their regular churches, and then they also meet for their groups. It started in, did it start in Evanston? No, South Bend. South Bend, sorry. It started started in Indiana in, I believe it was part of that, like, Jesus Movement 70s resurgence. You see this in, actually, there's a connection with the the start of Sovereign Grace Ministries, because that both CJ and... um, Oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Pat, whatever his name is. So the founders of Sovereign Grace Ministries were both, like, Catholic boys who, like, found a Catholic, charismatic, after-church group. And that was where they, like, quote-unquote, got saved. And had their, like, spiritual awakening, and, like, that set everything off rolling down that hill. So this shepherding movement was happening around that time. There's a lot of influence that they fell into from that. And I think that there's a lot of overlap with the people of praise, you know, having a similar start, like after church, after mass Bible study, shepherding movement influences, and and that's where you get the headship stuff. But they're really charismatic. They're, they're, they're functionally Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Functionally Pentecostal. Um so it's not what you expect. It's not your prim Calvinist, yeah, chosen, frozen, chosen stuff. Right, right. Yeah. So this kind of with the with the uh, definitely headship theology stuff. This kind of segues into the Phyllis Schlafly connection. Okay. So there's this whole argument going on about like she. I can't bear to do the read the Federalist piece. Can you just summarize it for us? <laughs> and then I'll get into Schlafly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But- so, um, yes, there are two Federalist pieces, but the one that I am uh, thinking of is there is there is this one, this one Federalist piece, uh, and the title is. How strong women like Amy Coney Barrett submit to their husbands with joy. Is this the one we're thinking about? Yes, this is what we're thinking of. This is the one where I said the Federalist is drunk. Go home. Yeah, this is the one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So before you get into it, let me just give a little context. I think that there's a reference here to JFK. 
in his election. And I think there's some overlap in terms of the concern because back when JFK was running for office, he was going to be the first Catholic president. And there was this concern that if he, like, something was going on that the Pope didn't approve of, the Pope might pull, like, hierarchy and, like, back lead, you know, be the power behind the throne kind of thing in ways that, that you know, would threaten democracy. So there was this, like, this popular, at, at the time, as I understand it, there was a popular concern of, like, will this jeopardize our democracy to have him, you know, submitting to Catholic leadership, which clearly was not the case and was, you know, not a concern. But there's, I think, some overlap between, like, that concern and this concern about this, like, very it feels very like suburban weird conservative like we're going to make something out of nothing concerned of that like her belief in headship theology is going to like jeopardize her as a justice and her ability to rule on things because she's going to be have to submit to her husband mm-hmm. yeah so this uh this federalist piece is all about how that's not going to happen and how it's really uh she's it's really like she is following her husband and how it's basically another iteration of how complementarianism that's the that's the thing that it reminded me of was the way to have all marital relationships where you have very defined roles and well and i think it's like it, it kind of gets at this idea that like her husband's best interest is going to be the nation's best interest for conservative issues. And she's committing to do that. So she is actually like serving her husband and fulfilling that role by taking this job. It's a very, it's a very like, uh, twister style logic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the other, um, there was, I, I need to find uh, this quote in the article because I decided it was going to be my spooky display name. Um, I think it was, let me, I'm just going to search for male authority. <laughs> there's just, there's just so much to this that it's just like, it's ridiculous. It's just a gold mine. It, it really, it really is. We'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. Yes. Oh, yeah. He also quotes uh, C.S. Lewis in here. Okay. C.S. Lewis wasn't a Catholic. Yeah. So here is, this is not the thing that I I meant to say, but this is another indicator of it because I really just wanted like, uh, this is my male tears cup. I made that joke. Oh, yes. It was, (laughs) it was from there. It's just buried in here. Anyway, what the, the phrase that he uses in here, it was masculine authority. That's why it didn't come up. All right. I mean, I know what to I know what to search for now. Masculine. And I'm just going to read this, this quote. quote. OK. All right. Cannot wait. Yeah. So um, sorry for this weird sidebar, but it's very important. The the subheading, this is a very, very long article. It took me a while to read, and it's literally just it's a regurgitation so boring. Of, of everything that I was told about complementarianism, which is this belief that, like, uh, equal but different. So, like, the, the man is the head and has all the authority, and the woman 
does everything. We don't need to explain cool because women we can like get it into better. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's as far as I'm gonna go. That's the TLDR. Oh, oh, oh there was a line so. in the. There isn't there a line in there about like the erotic, and like women don't find it erotic yes. if men submit. And I was like, yes, well, yes. That was Wrong. that was the part that I saw before I figured out where the where the phrase I was. Wanted. Okay, can you All read right. that line in addition to what you were gonna read? Yes. So this <laughs> is under the subheading "Getting to the Heart of the Matter," oh. and it starts. This controversy is about something bigger than people of praise or bear it. Rather, it requires us to defend the most hated Bible verses in America, the very ones that trigger so many of us who grew up, who grew up indoctrinated with an irrational fear of masculine authority. And then he quotes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything should submit in everything to their husbands. So anyway, my spooky name is uh, Irrational Fear of Masculine Authority, and that's on the other side of my uh, (laughs) male tears cup. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, let me... It's too much. Too much. So, uh, right after we get to the point where he uh, has a C.S. Lewis quote, so if you're on the bingo card that says article also has a C.S. Lewis quote, you can go you ahead and scratch that. You win. <laughs> so right right after that that quote that is from that hideous strengths and it's whatever. Uh, he said he writes Submission isn't an erotic necessity because of the evil patriarchy. It's an erotic necessity because Male submission is fundamentally ugly to women. And then he he continues to say, women are typically attracted to a man's confidence and initiative in the face of risk, and therefore not to a man that she can be led by the nose because he fears causing a fuss. I'm sorry. Has this person met women? No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think he has met anyone who isn't like his mom. I mean, I think like everyone almost everyone from any side of the political spectrum would say that like rbg's marriage was kind of goals and right they like and that is attractive like i don't understand okay whatever we'll keep going yeah yeah so anyway uh yes Male submission is apparently fundamentally ugly to women, says someone who has clearly never talked with a woman. Um, and that's like, those are the two juiciest and most interesting parts of this whole manifesto about how uh, Amy Coney is actually, uh, She's actually a perfectly submissive wife. Yeah. 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 Okay. So here, this, this, this logic gymnastics logical gymnastics reminds me of the logical gymnastics that Phyllis Schlafly used to be like, I'm not a feminist, even though I basically work out of my home, you know, 60 hours a week and barely pay attention to my children and uh, hire someone to cook the meals and uh, travel all the time, all the time for work and, Mm -hmm. and lobbying constantly. Like Phyllis Schlafly, if you don't know who she is, um, 
Robert Evans has an episode on her. Don't go listen to it. It's fine. But I'm still mad at him for not letting me run it because I know more. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not bitter at all. Um, it's fine. So Phyllis Schlafly is the reason that we don't have the ERA. And the, the ERA is this amendment um, that was supposed to be ratified and added to the Constitution in 86 and was stopped by, was that 86? Ooh, I think I've got my date wrong. Anyway, it was stopped because Phyllis Schlafly got wind of it and was like, hang on, does this mean that they will draft our children? If women have equal rights to men according under law, according to the Constitution, which is basically the text of the amendment. And so she she kicked off the first big grassroots fundamentalist political organizing moment that really got replicated by Dobson, by Falwell, by Ferris. Like, everybody's been using this, like, having a big mailing list and, like, getting everybody on your mailing list, like, scared about losing their rights to stir up political action and to, like, foment rage in the conservative community. So she's, the, she's like, the originator of that method. Did you check me on which year it is? Yes, it was... Uh... 1972 is... 1972, okay. When? My bad. So anyway, so it was passed in the House and the Senate. It got ratified in all but three states, and she, like, swooped in and, like, was able to stop it from getting ratified in those three final states. And it's finally been ratified by enough states, but, like, the statute of limitations has passed, so it's not... We have to, like, restart the entire process to get that added onto the Constitution. Uh. She was originally, like, a security defense uh, person. That was her issue. Like, nuclear power, nuclear, uh, you know, warheads, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, like her, she was interested in, you know, defense systems against Russia. And then... Just normal Cold War stuff. Right. And then she got caught up in this ERA stuff as like kind of a footnote, she thought she was gonna run for Senate and like talk about defense stuff and get on like the Security Council or whatever. But like this took over her her legacy and she leaned into it really hard because it was very effective. And so I would say she is like the reason that we have that the major moral majority even existed. She's definitely the reason Reagan got elected. She, like, there's yeah. so many different things that, like, you know, her deciding to get involved in this, like, really tie back to. And she's got a lot of, in common with Amy Coney Barrett. She's, she was a Catholic. She was from uh, the Midwest as well. She's in Illinois. She's, you know, got a parcel full of kids, was a, like, good housewife you know, supposedly, you know, flying home to get in, back in time to, like, tuck people in and pull out the meatloaf in time for dinner. <laughs> like, sure. Right, sure. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's how that worked. But, you know, she said she, like, never missed a night at home, even uh, with all of her travel. I don't know if that's true or not, but she did, she was doing a lot of travel, and she was going back home as often as she could. Her husband was a lawyer. 
she put herself through law school as an adult after having most of her kids she was like going to restart her career and like was like I can you know if he can do this I can do this and like just like did it um she claims she went to Harvard but she actually went to Radford which is the women's college women weren't allowed into Harvard at that point mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the whole thing <laughs> yeah she's she's a mistress of spin really good um I would say that Amy Coney Barrett is not as charismatic yeah by any stretch of the imagination but like she d- would not exist politically if Phyllis Schlafly had not done the damage and the groundwork, laid the groundwork that she did. Yeah, yeah. There are now, uh, like, ways that the right who don't think women should have any authority over men can now resign themselves to that and support it even and be right. like, okay, I guess it's fine if a woman right. sort of thing well, is Well, so she would, so it would be like, it's fine if her husband lets her do it. Mm-hmm. And that's like the framing of like, if her, if this is within her husband's like, para, you know, given parameters, then she is still within submission, you know, proper submission to her husband. And so Schlafly would use that as her like defense mechanism against being, you know, accused of being a feminist. Cause she'd be like, Oh no, I'd never be a feminist. She would yeah. basically say, in almost every interview that she gave, she would be like, my husband gave me permission to be here. Like, he mm-hmm. let me do this. Even though I doubt she ever, like, concretely asked him. Right. But it would be, like, kind of this, like, tacit agreement of, like, yeah, this is what we say. So she really, like, she really had a lot more in common with the people she, you know, worked against. Because she, like, wanted to go to Harvard. And she wasn't allowed to go to Harvard. She wanted to be a lawyer. She got stuck at home with the babies and like working out of her house she wanted to like be involved in politics but she was traveling back every night like like Mm -hmm. she wanted to you know run for senate and like succeed at that like it's just all of these layers where it's like honey why are you working against yourself why are you working against yourself (laughs) yeah um but essentially i think it become comes down to to money like it was a it was a really good grift yeah and she became the figurehead for the conservative grassroots organize, Christian organizing in the 70s and 80s. So, right. So there's this, like, overlap with, like, all of Schlafly's excuses for, like, why she's not, you know, breaking with biblical, like, submission tradition is stuff that we're going to hear... Amy Coney Barrett trot out in her defense. Yeah. Um, because it's the same, it's the same system of it's logic. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other questions about that? Because I feel like I just vom- word vomited. <laughs> I'm not sure if that covered everything. I feel like it makes sense because I, th- I think it'll contextualize a lot of what we're about to see happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because obviously, like, Amy Coney Barrett is going to, well, she's already getting flack, but it'll be it'll be interesting because I'm sure there's still uh, a lot of people who are, like, angry at her for being a woman because mm-hmm. you have misogyny everywhere all the time. Right. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what things she trots out in defense of that. 
internal yeah internalized misogyny and being like the special person who gets the patriarchy's like kiss on the forehead a la succession is like really intoxicating yeah it's really i i mean i think honestly if i'm really really honest this is why it took me so long and I, to get out of fundamentalism. This is why I didn't get out in high school and why it took me getting married is because I was, like, the favored child. Yeah. And so I didn't notice that it, I was working against myself. Yeah. I definitely had a lot of that, too, when I was growing up, especially, um, like, when I was doing all of the political campaigning in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I was, like this young girl doing all of these things that would usually be like kind of out of line, but I was one really fucking good at what I did. And two (laughs) blessed by, uh, my dad and the authorities that be as so long as I was doing what they wanted, obviously. Well, and it also like, I think becomes like some weird wish fulfillment for them. And I don't know like where that's coming with like, Barrett's husband he's a he's a former prosecutor he's a lawyer like is this like some sort of wish fulfillment for him I don't know but I think that's part of why that like permission happens is there's this living vicariously through them Mm -hmm. yeah like if they haven't been able to succeed at it maybe this person will well and also I think it's one of those moments where you got to remember not everyone who subscribes to patriarchy Uh, who's a cis male is a narcissist right that's true and occasionally you find like fairly decent guys who subscribe to all these beliefs who are not total assholes and are like yeah this makes you happy i want you to do this Mm -hmm. and so that could be what's going on there too yeah yeah um i feel like we should comment on sarah jones's piece next yes our good friend sarah jones our comrade in arms wrote about this in the New York magazine. Yeah, it's in New York mag. And she also draws the connection to Schlafly and goes into great detail mm-hmm. um, in that piece, too. Does she say anything else that we didn't cover already? Not really. We, all, we talked about how uh, kind of... Hypocritical. There we go. I got there. <laughs> Check about how hypocritical it is. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And goes into the ERA stuff and, and makes yeah. that connection. I think I think that if people are writing about her and don't reference Schlafly, they're missing a lot of the picture. Yeah. And I think that we're gonna see a whole lot of like Margaret Atwood Handmaid's Tale like references, and I would just please encourage you to please just ignore those because that's not yeah that's That's not not informed that's not it it's not it there's there's other other stuff there's Uh, so much other stuff yeah that has nothing to do with the book so yeah again it's not about margaret atwood yes or that particular dystopia it's about our dystopia right now (laughs) (sighs) all the things yeah um, yeah. But yeah, the Sarah Jones piece is really good. We'll link it in the show notes as well. Um, what else do we want to say about it? I don't know. Can I yell about Matt, Matt Walsh yet? Yes, I feel. I feel like we've exhausted uh, Amy Coney Barrett for now. Like, 
Obviously, we didn't get to everything. There's more. I want to talk more about. I just like she's such a blunt tool. Like I just feel very uninspired to be angry at her because she's not she's not a charismatic figure. No, she's like a little bit polarizing, but again, she's no Schlafly. (laughs) Right, and she's like what we've come to expect as nominees from uh, Trump, like anti-queer, fairly milquetoast as far as they go. Yeah, like she's bad. She's bad in the same way everyone else is bad. Yeah, but she's not as bad as she could be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Matt Walsh. Fuck you, Matt Walsh. If you don't know who Matt Walsh is, I'm not going to explain. Just You can Google. Little, you can Google him. It's not that hard. So my uh, alma mater has a system where you can have alternate chapels as these like events that you can attend for a chapel credit. But they're not specifically like sponsored, like they're not overtly sponsored by the chapel, which is just I think important to note in terms of like their endorsement of it. Like it is not necessarily, it is definitely endorsed as a Grove City College event, but it is not like a mandatory chapel event. Right. Not that they have any mandatory chapels, but it's just one of those like ex. This is extra credit, basically. So they, there's a group, um, Young Americans for Freedom. Oh, yeah. What do you know about them? They started becoming a thing when I was 16 or 17, and they seemed really interesting to me at the time, but I got consumed by other life stuff. But they're basically just another, like, conservative Christian activist group that does stuff campus organizing yeah yeah so they they probably like register for the republican party you know like at the dining hall they register voters that kind of they probably like i don't know so they hosted matt walsh they according to their their um instagram page he this chapter was founded in 2020 which is wild to me that grove city didn't have one before yeah, they, that's that's fine. They they basically are that without having it be official. So it's cool. Yeah. So they had him come and the title of his talk was The War on Reality, Why the Left Has Set Out to Redefine Life, Gender and Marriage. And originally they were like supposed to have comments open on the live stream. Um, so I was like excited to watch it and just be like asking questions. Mm-hmm. And the the reason this is interesting and important is the queer uh student alliance has not been recognized formally as a an official club on campus by the administration ever right like, of course there's not. there's been like five different iterations the one that was trying to get recognized when i was a student there was called um rainbow bridge which is named after the there's a bridge dividing going across uh, Wolf Creek, which divides upper and lower campus. And it is called Rainbow Bridge. And so it was like a cute little play on words. So mm-hmm. Rainbow Bridge was like the, it was the gay straight alliance was yeah. what they were trying to be. And that was like, they had a couple of weeks of meetings and they got like really hard, like cr- really crushed by the administration. Mm-hmm. And that was around the time when like a lesbian RA got 
fired and given hush money to like, you know, it paid out the end of her semester. Um, but she got made to move off her hall and it was just bad. It was just like mm. a lot of shit went down around that time. Grove City College is like one of the, I believe it's like in the top two or three, like least friendly, like least queer friendly colleges in the nation. So this is an ongoing thing. That, the, all of the things I'm describing were like in 2010 and 11. So now the this uh, YAF is an officially recognized group started in the this year. And the table, which is the current queer student alliance, still has not been recognized. So they could not have a... a a speaker in and get chapel credit for it or even get it like flyers recognized by student life as like given permission to be put up in the like halls and dorms and stuff. So, right. So the table has to meet off campus as far as I know. Um, And so they were like, they were getting some alumni to come and that's how I heard about it um, and watch the live stream. And like, they were going to come with questions for Matt Walsh who's just like a bona fide troll. Mm-hmm. He's like Christian Jordan Peterson, light with less char- charisma. So anyway, <laughs> he was arguing about, and this is really where like it got fun. One of the, his main points during the talk was he was, he was arguing that marriage exists for the potential to procreate. And that's like why, which is a very Catholic position, but he was saying that yeah. that's why the government gets involved in it is like for the potential to procreate. And so like one of the, Lord love her, like the, this kid who was with the table and, and during the Q&A afterward was like, so hang on, if I'm married to a man and I'm infertile, is that a marriage? Good question. And he was like, I don't think we need to regulate that. Like, we only need to regulate it if, like, there are kids. Are, like, he just, like, kind of, like, doubled down on his... It was so illogical. But he basically doubled down on, like, if they can have kids, the government has a right to get involved. And if they can't have kids, then, like, who cares? Like, I don't care what they do. Just they can't have a marriage. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, honey. Uh, that's... Not did your did, that sir? Works. Did your wife feel married to you before you had children? Let's talk about that. Could yeah. she have just you know slept with someone else and it wouldn't have been cheating? Mm, I have problems with this. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was very convoluted. And then he went off on the like you know chromosome tagging equals gender and. I was just like sitting here being like, and what about intersex people? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is not, he's, he's, you know, extremely binary. Science shows us this chromosomes equals sex. My dude. And I'm like, um, I learned about Klein's syndrome when I was like 12 and I was, and after that I was like, well, you can't say that there's only XX and YY because Obviously, we have conditions for this. Well, I learned about it when I was probably like eight or nine. Like, it's not right. It's always been like question mark. Yeah. Like, 
you're supposed to like perform your your assigned gender, but like, what if your assigned gender is artificially created by doctors before you were, you know, old enough to remember what was happening? Yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> and it was just, it was interesting, and I'm I'm really proud of the students there for like, you know, pushing back. Um, but it, it's just it's just this ongoing uphill battle of like, watching, you know, these places that were like fairly focused on freedom of speech back in the day and would host mm-hmm. like controversial like more liberal speakers occasionally for fun are now just like wholeheartedly embracing like essentially the christian version of QAnon. uh it's that oh. sucks yeah so anyway i'm mad matt walsh sucks the end yeah also is this the part of the show, show where i tell people about my pronouns if you want it to be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've officially added they, them as an alternate to she, her in, in my bio on things. And feel free to use either one. That's all. Nice. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the they, them club. We have cookies. In Do the I back. get a sticker? You get a sticker. <laughs> Cool. I'll send nice. I'll send you your your uh, welcoming package in the mail. Okay. We'll probably get there before election day. Amazing, cool. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll use it when I'm a poll worker. It'll be fun. Yes. Oh God, I I'm so traumatized from being a poll worker last time that I am I'm not doing it this year. Like, did you I'm do like, it in 2016? I did it in 2016. What was and that like? I I like so. I was there from like four in the afternoon until we closed. And at first people were coming in, they were happy. I was the poll worker who like got to explain how to take the uh, like receipts off of the ballot. And Mm -hmm. I did so by explaining that like, and it's cool because you can use it as a bookmark or make origami with it. And everyone just slapped at all of my Right, right, right. And so, you know, from four to six, it was generally the vibe was like pretty chill. And like as as 630 progressed on to seven, people started coming in looking shook and disturbed and panicked. And I and they would try to like talk to me about what was happening. And I was like, no, I have to be here until nine. I have to like make sure all the ballots are in and secure, and I cannot. Tell me nothing. I cannot do that if I know what's happening. Like this is, do not discuss it. This is a sacred zone of not knowing what's happening, and ignorance is bliss zone. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, I need to be able to focus on getting the ballots to be able to be counted. I can't know. I and, well, okay, so you were in Oakland. Yeah. I'm going to be in an extremely conservative district, so I feel like Ooh. that is going to be a ex- very, very different experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm scheduled to be there all day, so. Yeah, Wish you will definitely. Me luck. Yeah, it'll be a very different experience. I just like it was. It was like watching people just get more and more shaken until until we closed, and then I got in the Uber. The Uber was thankfully not playing the news. I thanked the person driving for that decision. And then I got home and I opened my door and my apartment was pitch black and I just heard the sound of crying. And at that point, my heart just like, all of my internal organs just like fell out of my body and I was like, this cannot be good. And then it was not good. So. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, 
We got time. We got time. It, if your precinct when... starts coming in and looking sad, like that's probably good news. Yeah, I will. I will try to restrain my glee if that happens. I, I I'm going in with no expectations. Just like. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. That's how I did it last time. Yeah. That's gonna be how I get myself to approach. The third. Yeah. Because it's just, you know. Which. Oh. By the way, guys. The tarot. (laughs) The tarot? You mean the astrology? The astrology. Yeah, okay. I was just about to do that. Um, Okay, so, y'all, we are going into the last Mercury retrograde of 2020 on Tuesday, October 13th. And so that means, like, right now we're in the, like, shadow period like we're heading into that we're starting to see the effects of it but like it's going to be like properly retrograde on the 13th and that full retrograde will last until the third and the astrology of the third is basically uh results will be delayed and i believe if i'm remembering correctly Everything I've heard from the astrologers I, I follow is that results are, like, going to be delayed until, like, the 12th. So get your expectations in check if yeah. you care about this stuff. That's what that's what the stars say. The stars also basically said that the debate would be canceled. Um, <laughs> and the astrology of, like, where things were when Trump got sick was also, like, easily predictable so we're we're on track here we're on track so like just like don't hold your breath on the third like, yeah we're not gonna know properly for like another week yeah so that's what the astrology says and i just wanted to share that so that we can like have mercy on ourselves and like take it slowly yeah okay we can prepare Gird your loins. Yeah. All of that. All that. Anyway, thank you for listening. We're glad we were able to give you a longish episode today. Sorry it's been so long. Yeah. And we love you guys. It's been really great hanging out on Slack. If you are not able to support the Patreon and you're really in need of community, let us know. We can maybe add you. If you've been a patron and financial circumstances are changing and you can't support us anymore that's fine we understand and we love you and you're welcome to stay in the slack it's just you know 2020 is 2020 yep it really it is it's thank you for listening at all <laughs> just thank you for listening at all yes and being patient and understanding and you really appreciate it it has just been such chaos and honestly i will probably be eaten alive by campaign so probably won't hear anything from me until november i might just Um, read uh bible stories as ghost stories which is the reference to that tiktok that so our friend jesse sent us (laughs) this tiktok where a girl is like pretending to be like the the person in the white person in the horrors film who's like reading the like mysterious scriptures from an ancient nation about like what will happen and 
how people are waiting for the return of the Messiah. And it was basically just describing church in like the most spooky terms possible. And I'm like, I like this. Yes. So maybe I will read Bible stories as if they're horror stories. That would be, that would be amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to have to chill for a minute. Yeah. And you know, in the meantime, we are on Slack. We've been hosting debate watch parties that have been, the highlight of the last couple weeks for me honestly um so if you can join us on patreon join us and you can join us in the slack if you can't but you would still like to be part of the community like you've said give us an email our email is kitchentablecult at gmail.com our patreon is patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod and yeah like find the joy yeah add a message us on twitter (laughs) Or on Twitter at Kitchen Table Cult. Yeah, find us. We're there. We can hang out. Yeah, we all our info t- is at kitchentablecult.com. As always, thank you so much to Dave for editing this episode and putting up with all of uh, our, you know, meandering pauses and confusion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cleaning it up for us. Thank you so much. And uh, the music that you hear is from the band The Heavens on their album Stenazzo. They're great. Go check out their band camp. And yeah, thank you. Be safe. Keep wearing your mask. Don't try to go into parties. Yeah, wear, wear your mask. Wash your hands. Stay home. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.